I've seen an amazing, amazing thing. It's a pencil holder shaped like a bust of Julius Caesar with loads of holes in the back of it for your pencils to stick in. Nice. <laughs> it's genius. <laughs> very, very good. I thought I thought you'd say it was like a, a cherub bending over. <laughs> And you sharpen no, the that's pencil. the electric pencil sharpener, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <Hey. laughs> now, there's some merchandise we need to get made up. Yeah, definitely. Get onto alibaba.com. <laughs> when we get big. Minimum order 10,000 cherub anus pencil sharpeners. <laughs> oh, dear. Be Our respective good. wives will be thrilled when they arrive. <laughs> Just a lorry turns up. Trust me, babes, this one's going to go massive. Yep, they are all going in our bedroom. You're right. Probably going to block the cupboard. <laughs> By the way, they've not been quality tested yet, so there's a box of HB pencils here, if you wouldn't mind giving us a hand. <laughs> Everyone has to be. Every single tested. one of these 10,000 pencil sharpeners. <laughs> Audience, if you would like a Cherub's Anus pencil sharpener, do let us know. If we get enough demand, we'll start a crowdfunder for them. <laughs> i tell you what, do you want to do the introduction this week? Because I always do the introduction. I think you should do it oh, this week. Fuck. How many times have we we've recorded this? About 42 times, and I still don't know what to say. <laughs> okay. Uh, You've got right. this. You've got this, babes. I believe um, in you. Uh, uh, welcome to our podcast, That Was Genius, where we discuss funny historical things on a topic each week. The topic is chosen the week before, and we make lots of bum jokes. Um, I'm Tom, I live in New Zealand, and this is Sam. Say hello, Sam. Hi! And he hello. lives in, in Manchester. Sam, how big's your penis? Oh, I was doing so well. I was doing so well. <laughs> Where are you? Where are you doing? <laughs> In answer to your question, Tom, the question you're inevitably going to ask, what's the topic this week? Eight and a half and rebellious princesses is the topic this week. <laughs> yes, kick-ass rebellious princes. Princesses. 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 Specifically princesses this week, unless you've managed to find a transgender one, in which case, good for you. There have been a couple of accidental female popes. I Have there? There was one, yeah. There's a whole thing now where um, the new pope has to be carried above the head of the cardinals on a special chair with a hole That's in it. That's right, so that he can with shit their, on uh, to quote, <laughs> Yes, yes. One final act. <laughs> do you, Freedom. Do you, do you know, in, in Catholicism, they have that small chamber full of incense that they swing on a chain through the, through yes. the church, don't they? It could be a little yeah. bit like that, but the Pope farting through the hole as he was paraded down through the church. I think that's more or less what happens. The Pope puts his crown jewels into a small silver casket, you know, with a hole yeah. in the top and a hole in the yeah. bottom, you know, a bit like, you know, the, the old popcorn trick at the cinema, and uh, yeah. and just swings his tackle around, spreading incense Farting. and semen. Yeah, because <laughs> we know that he is God's representative on Earth, so his farts will smell Absolutely. beautiful, as will his testicles. It's general, the whole yes. undercarriage is going to smell delightful. God's own bollocks. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's plenty of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I think I'd heard of that before. Um, I got a cracking sauce, and li- regular listeners will know I'm I'm a fairly big fan of Plutarch, and I went looking for ancient Greek badass princesses, and I found a whole document devoted to them by... Oh. The man. Oh. Plutarch. The man. This is a problem that we're going to have in this episode, isn't it? Because whilst there are plenty of badass princesses and, and women through history, they are all written about by men. Yes. <laughs> because it was fairly rare for a woman to be able to read and write until absolutely. fairly recently. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something I will definitely be touching on. A slightly condescending undertone. Um <laughs> 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 through this document although it's not too bad but it is definitely written by a man and it's written by a man in a patriarchal society most definitely and so what, what have you gone for then because uh, I have no idea you haven't given me any indication during the week I meant to text you last night and uh, forgot so That's you've right. got no idea what I'm doing <laughs> yeah it's completely out of the blue yeah. fingers crossed it's something new and exciting well, I've chosen a, a lovely work by Plutarch and uh... <laughs> I'm kind of amazed that after nearly a year we haven't accidentally done the same thing yet. No, I think we've done pretty well. I've gone Eastern this week, Tom. I've gone Eastern with a Western twist. Eastern with a Western twist. Fusion food. Yeah, it's like a hipster Chinese takeaway, yeah. That's exactly a cool restaurant, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I've gone for a Mongolian princess 
who was written about by one Marco Polo. Oh, excellent. We do like Marco Polo, don't we? We do. And I and I thought at the time that I'd come across something really cool. And then I realised uh, right at the end of my research that, in fact, there is an entire Netflix series about this. But it got cancelled and lost a huge amount of money. So I'm counting on the fact that no one watched it. <laughs> oh, I think I'm going to reckon... Yeah, what's her name? Kutaloon. No, I don't recognise the name, but I do I do think I know... But I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I do think I've heard about that Netflix documentary, though. Excellent. Uh, well, well, without further ado, we need to flip something Marco Polo or Plutarch related. I'm not even wearing a polo shirt. I've got a Swiss Army penknife. I can't name a single famous Swiss lady off the top of my head. Oh, uh, Terry Toblerone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how about that famous that famous Swiss countess, Nancy Gold? <laughs> Sounds a bit like Nazi gold, doesn't I know, it? Eh? I know what you were doing. <laughs> I got the joke, Sam. <laughs> Don't worry. Hey, hey, <laughs> what it wasn't a good there. joke, but it was the best I could do at short notice. And I'm actually surprisingly proud of it. <laughs> you just ruined it by explaining it. I was going to go for something to flip, which was just badass women related. So right. I've got, a, I've got just a letter addressed to me and my wife, because she's the most badass woman I know. Blech. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know whether that was that flattering or I don't know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> that was me saying something nice about my wife and then pretending to be sick. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't necessarily that nice. <laughs> it, sounded, it sounded a little bit like you were describing your wife as a domestic abuser. No, no, no. She's, a, she's just a badass. She's a strong, independent woman. Like Beyonce. I was about to say I clicked my fingers and I waggled my head side to side when you said that. <laughs> Ah, oh, the single ladies! Ah, oh, the single ladies! We had quite enough music last week, let's not go into that. It was quite a catchy song, though. I've been humming that song most of the week. It was a... I've oh, got a sauce, a saucy sauce. Oh, that song. Oh, I thought you meant all the single song. ladies. <laughs> no, no, no. I thought, here's the, the saucy song. Yeah, fuck song you, Beyonce. <laughs> We're the hit writers now. <laughs> oh, Sam, I'll tell you what I've just found. i go tell on. you what I've just found in my drawers. Oh, Christ. I have found <laughs> the original... And the best, very faded, Willy Bollockchin. Wow, that is a blast from the past. You remember Willy Bollockchin, <laughs> don't you? Tell the audience about Willy Bollockchin. I do remember Willy Bollockchin. As you can see, audience, our sense of humour hasn't really evolved in 20 years. <laughs> Since college. Uh, yeah, it would have yeah. been 20 years ago, wouldn't it? God, this is 20 years old. This is like an antiquity in itself. Wow. You're like an archaeologist, Tom. I am, and I've just pulled this out from my drawers. I'm like an archaeologist. <laughs> Willie Bollockchin was a, a beautiful little character I drew. I think it must have been in a history class because you didn't study classics or economics, did you? No. So it must have been in our modern history class. And it's um, a chap with a willy for a nose and, and bollocks dangling down beside his face. And, um, yeah, his his name was Willie Bollockchin. There we go. Maybe we can take a photo and share that on social media, Willie Bollockchin. Uh, should we flip Willie Bollockchin? So. Uh, yeah, go on. It's got nothing to do with ladies, but it's a blast from the past and it's the best we've got. So, <laughs> as a podcast run by two men, we cannot even find something women-related to flip. That is the patriarchy at work, isn't it? Um... <laughs> on Independent Women's Week, on That Was Genius, we're flipping a picture of a man with testicles for a face. That is the most <laughs> the most Freudian thing we could possibly have done. <laughs> <laughs> do you want the side with the picture or the blank side, Tom? I'll have the black. I'll have the end. I think it's going to land side. on the end. Right. Okay. I'm into bat. Okay. I've already told you what I what I'm going to talk about. It's Plutarch's work on the virtues of women. Already slightly condescending, isn't it? Just the title. <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, this. I'm going to have Lovely. to pronounce a lot of Greek and Roman names in this recording. Hopefully, I'll get 95% of them correct. Or Possibly 5% of it correct. <laughs> so Plutarch's Muliarum Virtutes, Virtues of Women, which is part of Plutarch's Moralia, which is a mixed and varied collection of works attributed to Plutarch. Lots of essays, speeches as well, I think. And we, Plutarch's more well known for his Parallel Lives, which is a biography of various famous um, statesmen yep. and other historical figures from ancient Rome, Greece and surrounding area. And I've, we've referenced that in older episodes. But he wrote shitloads, and he is one of my favourite ancient Greek authors. He's very accessible and good fun to read. And we've discussed this before, but it's worth quickly covering. He was born in ancient Greece, midway through the first century AD, spent a lot of time in Rome, became a Roman citizen as well. So Plutarch refers to many examples of virtuous women, so kick-ass women, if you will, 
in this document. And let's just get straight onto it without further ado. I think I've got one, two, three, four, five, six to discuss. Ha, fuck that. You can't cut that out now, can Ooh. you? You can't cut Ooh, any of them out. Oh, wow. <laughs> six to discuss. Let's start Jesus. with Cloelia. Probably pronounced that wrong. Cloelia was a hostage given by the Romans to the Etruscans in 508 BC as part of the end of the war between the two powerful nations on the Italian peninsula at the time. For people whose ancient Roman knowledge isn't too hot, originally Rome was a monarchy and the people sort of overthrew the monarchy and Rome became a republic. And then Rome was a republic for what, about 500 years. And then with Caesar, Augustus, Pompey, Crassus, all those people, it evolved into the Roman Empire. This 508 BC, this is a period where the Roman monarchy is transitioning into the Roman Republic. And at this time, Rome was not very big at all, didn't even take over the whole Italian peninsula. And the Etruscans were one of their main rivals on the Italian peninsula. This whole period of Roman history is actually semi-mythological due to Rome being sacked in 390 BC by the Gauls. And my understanding is that when this sack took place, a lot of Roman documentation was burnt, destroyed. So beyond 390 BC, it's actually um, quite difficult to know exactly what was going on. We have a far better idea of what was going on in Rome after that date. So this is Cloelia. Whilst being held hostage by the Etruscans, she led the nine other female hostages down to the river Tiber to bathe, or that was the excuse at least. When they got to the river, these females jumped in and swam with much difficulty, because Tiber's pretty big, um, to the other side, and they managed to return to Rome. The Romans were very impressed by the bravery of the girls, but as a matter of honour, they insisted that they return to the Etruscan leader, a chap called Porcina. When they were returned to Porcina, he dealt with them very generously because he very much admired their cunning and bravery. Here's a quote. Porcina, admiring the undauntedness and confidence of the maid, this is uh, Cloelia, the leader of the gang, as being beyond what is commonly in a woman, bestowed a present on her, becoming a man champion. A man champion? What does that mean? As in good enough to be a man because that would be enormously condescending um, i think that's pretty much what we're going for here <laughs> okay <laughs> he, yes because he does say as being beyond what is commonly in a woman it is quite condescending yes it is uh, but they are admiring her bravery so there's there's a degree of praise there for a female <laughs> how very generous of him yeah how very how very kind and generous of the romans polycreta was a lady from naxos which was an ancient Greek sister city. of concreta polycreta what, what sister of concrete <laughs> Sorry, I didn't get a joke. <laughs> um, Polycreta, sister of Concreta, was a lady from Naxos, <laughs> uh, which is an ancient Greek city. And Naxos was captured by armies from Miletus, also ancient Greece, and um, er Erythrea, which I think is around the same area as modern Eritrea on the Red Sea in northeast Africa. And the Erythraean general who captured the city of Naxos took a fancy to Polycreta. And she was forced to marry him, but during a festival soon after, she came up with a very cunning plan. Ah. She asked her new husband if she could send some of the festival cake to her brothers in the besieged city. Permission was given, because everyone likes cake. They do. Presumably, the Erythraeans were, were watching their figure, and there was a bit of too much cake being made, and they actually just wanted to give it away to someone else. And so permission was given, and slices of cake were taken to the men in the besieged city. However... It's very generous of them. Yes. However, that would be a pretty boring story, wouldn't it, if it ended there? Notes were smuggled out in the cake. Slightly disappointing to set your teeth into a, a yes. nice bit of cake when you've been besieged to find... Some papyrus in it. You know, a tablet in there. <laughs> some papyrus that sounds like wiping their ass on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crunch. Would have been quite disappointing. Mm. <laughs> Until they read what it was and what the, the note said, and I, from all accounts, it was on some sort of tablet. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't on papyrus. Polycreta had told them that that night, the Erythraean soldiers would be pissed as farts, stuffed full of cake, lying in front of the fireplace, farting merrily. And so that was a perfect time to try and get out of the city, to try and defeat the besieging forces. Yeah. This duly happened. The Naxians won an important victory. And Polycreta, in a very stereotypically female way, died of happiness as the city was retaken because emotionally she was oh. so fragile. Uh, so <laughs> Absolutely. Being a lady and all. 
Yeah, so there we have the first two kick-ass uh, princesses in this document. Next one is a lady called Kama. Can we, can we, we just need to pause for a second on the on the one who died of happiness. <laughs> Surely she should have prepared herself for this to work. <laughs> yeah, she obviously had a lot of doubt. Well, that's another female trait, isn't it? You know, doubting yourself. <laughs> I was going to say, a lack of trust in the ability of men. (laughs) Fuck me, they actually did it. (laughs) I half expected them to just eat all the cake and then sit farting in front of the fireplace. Getting drunk, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's maybe why she was so happy. Just surprise. It wasn't so much dying of happiness. Dying of surprise. So we've got Kama. Kama was a Galatian princess, and Galatia was an ancient state in the centre of modern-day Turkey. And her husband was killed by a chap called Cynerix, who liked the look of Kama. Cynerix then set his eyes on Kama, because obviously murdering someone's husband is great. That's natural, yeah, natural yeah. aphrodisiac, yeah, it's natural yeah, flirtation at its best. Girls love that. Uh, so they do. They can't get enough of you murdering... Come up to the club, sorry I have a boyfriend. <laughs> Not anymore, you don't. <laughs> oh, you devil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it when you do that. So... Kama pretended to slowly warm to Cynerix and uh, she invited him to the Temple of Artemis on the pretense that they needed to make their marriage known before the goddess Artemis. She handed him some mead filled with poison and the two of them drank. Ooh, love a bit of mead. Yeah, well, filled with poison. What is mead? Is That's honey, isn't it? It's honey beer, yeah. It's, so it's, it's absolutely beer. delicious. It's basically like cider, or what in America you call hard cider. But it's made with honey instead of apples, and it's absolutely wonderful. It's beautiful. I've never had mead before. Not as sweet as you think, but really delicious. So the Americans call... Well, Americans call apple juice... Uh, correct us if we're wrong, if I'm wrong, Americans, but you call what we would say was apple juice, you would call cider. Cider's non-alcoholic, and if it's alcoholic cider, you call it hard cider. Oh, OK, fair enough. So what does apple juice mean? Nothing. It's the name of a pop star's child. <laughs> Chris Martin's <laughs> new child. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fair enough. Quote, as she saw him drink it all up, she lifted up a shrill, loud voice and fell down and worshipped her goddess, saying, I call thee to witness, O most reverend divinity, that for this very day's work's sake, I have overlived the murder of my husband. And for thee, the lewdest person among men, let thy relations prepare a sepulchre instead of a bride chamber and nuptials. When the Galatians heard these things and perceived the poison to womble up and down and indispose his body... He ascended his chariot, hoping to be relieved by the jogging and the shaking, but he presently alighted and put himself into a litter and died that evening. Kama continued all that night and being told that he had ended his life, she comfortably and cheerfully expired. A lot to discuss there. Yeah. Namely the verb Firstly, not to sure you can wibble out poison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wibble, wibble out something that's making is you wobble. Is wobble a quote? Because I wasn't sure if that was just the line breaking up. Is wobble a quote? <laughs> it is, it is. And perceived the poison to wobble up and down. And I looked up wobble because I didn't know what it was What is the Latin to wobble? <laughs> Wombliest. Yeah. Maximus or Wombliest Minimus, <laughs> yes. depending on the degree of Womble. Depending on how much one Wombles. Yes, exactly. If one Wombles once, it's Womble. If one Wombles many times, it's to Wombus. Womblium. <laughs> it was interesting also that he put himself into a litter. Yes, I'm assuming that means a bed. Or like a cat litter or a garbage <laughs> truck. I shall dispose of myself efficiently by putting myself into the bin for the shameful behaviour I have exhibited. I fully deserve this. <laughs> like the character from Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Popping up a bit. I think I'm mixing up the guy that... Is it, what's the name of the guy that lives in the bin? I'm mixing him up with the cookie monster. He drank his mead and then just went, cookie, cookie, cookie. <laughs> Where's my wooden cookies? <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually, that's actually what the uh, the Naxian men were like when they got the cake. They were because they'd been besieged, and then they realised they had clay tablets in it. What did the clay tablets say, children? The letter A stands for attack. <laughs> Trying to do Sesame Street. <laughs> right. I took. It took me a second there. I wasn't quite. I, yeah, I should have put two and two together, but I wasn't entirely sure. I'm going to put it down to a lag in the phone line. <laughs> That's all right. That's quite all right. Hey, there are besieged Etruscans. There wasn't besieged Etruscans. It was Naxians. <laughs> Hello, Naxians. 
Wann ist geht Naxian? Ah, ah, ah. Naja, it's not as funny as I'd hope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where, where are we going? Crack really? on. I'll, I'll carry on. But you are right. I don't know what, he'd, what he thought would happen. He was poisoned. He thought that going on his chariot would solve the problem. For any listeners uh, who are drunk, don't get in your car. Don't drink and drive. Gonna, yeah, don't get in your <laughs> yes. car thinking it's going to make things better. Yeah, it won't. You know when you take prescription medicines and it says, may cause drowsiness, do not operate heavy machinery? <laughs> the same goes for being poisoned. <laughs> what you can do is you can be a tidy person and you can go and put yourself in a bin. Ready for yes. people to collect you in the morning to take you to the dump. There you Clean up after the human trash I am. Yes, yes. It, well, he was the lewdest person among men. I like the fact that Kama just continued all night long, a little bit like Lionel Richie. Loving it. <laughs> the fact that she had poisoned this guy. All night long. All night. Yeah, I'm going to die in the morning. I don't care. All night long. Dancing on the ceiling. <laughs> she was loving it. Comfortably and cheerfully expired. There she goes. <laughs> it seems to be a theme amongst these women of Plutarch. Yeah. Is that they died shortly after getting revenge. That is a theme thus far. Here's another one yeah. called Stratonica. Now, is that, is that a type of guitar? A Stratonica? No, but delicious with gin. What? Terrible puns today. Terrible puns. Well, I don't um, get that one either. <laughs> what does Stratonica rhyme like with? Tonic, goes like tonic. Like tonic. Oh, that was awful. Tonic, like gin and tonic. S- Strato- yeah. That okay. is an awful. Yeah, okay. You needed to explain that one to me. Sorry. <laughs> Doing the best with the material I've given, Tom. What's, what, that does sound like a name for a type of guitar, doesn't it? Yeah, you get a Fender Stratocaster. That's probably what I was thinking. Stratocaster. Is that like a classic type of guitar, is it? It's one, it's, yeah, it's one of the, uh, the classic electric guitar styles, designs, yes. Right, oh, there you go. Stratonica. Yes, so she was another Galatian princess whose husband wanted a male heir. But she, quote, was barren. Oh. So, being the, the noble and virtuous lady that she was, she said to her husband, you go and shag someone else and I'll bring up the children like they're my own. And uh, what was the name of the lady who he shagged? Electra. What a saucy name. That is a saucy name. All right, my name's Electra and I love shagging, so I'll happily come along and shag. I don't <laughs> like kids, though. I don't like bringing up kids, so I just like the shagging side of things. It goes in well with the uh, electric guitar theme as well, doesn't it? Electrostratonica, that's a mouthful. That's what she said. Ooh, it is. That sounds like a disease, actually. <laughs> it sounds like bacteria, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> bacteria that affects... Yeah, um, which is probably what the Galatian husband had after shagging Electra. <laughs> That's just a short one. She... Oh, fine. She just let her husband shag someone else. Yeah, and then brought up... Not inherently badass. <laughs> and, and, then, and then brought up the children on her own. Oh, well, there we go. Well, that like is, they that were is her a own children. Job. Yeah. So Electra was like a, what would you call it in modern parlance? A surrogate mother. Okay. Sort of. Yeah, that works. <laughs> We've got another one. Here's Kayomara. She was raped by a Roman centurion. All the best stories start like that. Oof. The Roman centurion agrees to return her to a family for a ransom. He's what a git. As the exchange is taking place... Uh, I think I know this little one. Ah, she Go nods on. at one of her kinsmen during the exchange process. Gives a bit of a Game of Thrones style. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know what to do, mate. And he chops off his head in one fell swoop. He shouts out, the Lannisters send their regards. <laughs> yes, yeah. The Lannisters always pay their debts and chops off his head. And she takes his head to her husband and throws it on the floor. Now, Sam, if that were me or you, what would your response be if your wife threw a head on the floor in front of you? Ooh, I've got a box for that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's disgusting. (laughs) You're going to mop that up? (laughs) Yeah. Or possibly, oops, Butterfingers, did you drop that? (laughs) Is that Sonorix? Did you chop his... Is it the guy that was hanging around the garbage cans? Oh, God, that's horrible. So the husband says, quote, Oh, wife, thy fidelity is noble. So he just sort of acknowledges it like it's an everyday thing, like people are always throwing <laughs> yeah. heads at yeah. his feet. Go on. He says, Good We'll on stick you, that love. in the head cupboard with the rest. <laughs> <laughs> like like her wife is a cat <laughs> who, brings, <laughs> who brings dead mice and birds into the house. Oh, we had to finish him off with a shovel, bless him. <laughs> <laughs> He's still talking. I mean, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> it was just a head, but he was still talking. Bizarre. <laughs> Kayamara then cracks an excellent Arnie-style witticism, which is, there is only one man alive who has slept with me. And that's how she finishes it. What a good story. Oosh. Oh, that is oh, a great oh, story. Oh. That is a great There's witticism as well. There is only one man alive who has slept with me. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> 
Yes. Good. Who was the guy? The guy in Predator, where they do the muscle handshake. Come on, Sam. Get your get your eighties action knowledge buffed up. That's Carl Weathers. Also yeah. Apollo Creed. Of course, it's Carl films. Weathers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think he's an NFL running back. I think. Like I know what a running back is. Now redo that quote with Arnie say, giving it. Imagine it's that. <laughs> There's only one man alive who slept with me. It's Carl Weathers. <laughs> he's beautiful. He has got wonderful abs. <laughs> There's only one man alive who got to my chopper. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, Carl, get down. Oh, get down. <laughs> what are you waiting for? Get down. Did you just say, what are you mating for? What are you waiting for? That would have been good. Yes, no, I said, what are you waiting for? Do it. No, I genuinely Do thought it. that was what you said. What are you waiting for? <laughs> it's, when he, it's when he's covered in mud in the swamp. It's, oh, yeah. It's, it's oh, I know. It's Mano and Mano. Well, Mano and Aliano. What are you waiting yes. for? Oh, that sounded a bit Sylvester Stallone. Because some action star who's taken multiple knocks to the head in his career anyway. Yeah, and multiple injections to the <laughs> to the veins. <laughs> to the buttocks, yes. There's another interesting fact about Predator, isn't there? Which is that... It's based on a true story? four of the people in that film were governors of American states. Oh, wow. Jesse Ventura, who's the guy with the moustache. He was an ex-wrestler. I think he's still a politician in the States. Oh, wow. Arnold Schwarzenegger, obviously. obviously the I think Carl Weathers was as well. America does like to celebrate its greatest military veterans by giving them political careers. So anyone who can uh, fight the predator, defend planet Earth, surely deserves some kind of exactly. government position. I agree with you. That's also got the quote, I haven't got time to bleed. I like that That is one. from Predator, but you, that is a horrible quote to put alongside the idea of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers having sex. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's not very nice, is it? In the 80s. <laughs> yeah, all sorts of connotations yeah. there. <laughs> God, I haven't even considered that part of it. <laughs> yeah. I often use that quote when I've sort of cut my finger doing DIY and I'm busy, you know. Someone's got to screw that <laughs> door frame up. So someone's, got to, <laughs> someone's got to put that mirror up. I go to my first aid kit and I put a plaster on. Yeah. Boom. Like Have a bus. And it's usually one of those like clown plasters. <laughs> do you get a sticker as well saying I'm a brave boy yeah yep. this helps to settle my nerves and then I get back to hanging that mirror Who? where was I my last one is Timoclea now Timoclea so when Alexander the Great took Thebes an ancient Greek city state one of his generals set up in the house of Timoclea and whilst under the influence of alcohol this general raped Timoclea and then asked her where she kept all of her money again charming behaviour lovely she claimed that her maid hid all of their treasures in a well. And so she took this general to the well. And when he peered into the depths of the well, she gave him a good kick up the arse. And he fell into the well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's some excellent Renaissance depictions of this happening, of Tim McClay giving oh, this general a good kick up the arse. Because there's nothing funnier than giving someone a big kick up the arse. There's not. Particularly if it's Bishop Red. <laughs> yeah, <it is. laughs> Yep. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. Oh, Ted, oh wait. Ted, will you, will you kick Bishop Brandon up the arse? Wait, <laughs> 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 So, yes, yeah, so she kicks him up the arse, he falls into the well, and then she and her maid throw lots of stones at him until he dies. Oh. So they stone him to death good, in the good, bottom good. of a well. And she was they could just have left him at the bottom of the well, couldn't they? But... Yeah, it wouldn't have been as fun, would it? Let's be honest. No. I mean, whenever if I were to get someone in a well, first of all, big pat on the back for getting someone in a well. Well done, Tom. I, w- I would yep. then start throwing stuff at them. First thing first, the bucket. <laughs> you know, just let go of it and let it just go down, bonk, on the head. The other good thing about the bucket yep, is Although you do used... add the risk then of... It's got a rope attached to it, which would... You're facilitating yep. their escape. But you also... That allows you to use it multiple times. So you can then, just as they're coming <laughs> to, you can sort of just take it back up again and they'll be grabbing for it and they'll be fucking the next you can drop it back down on their head bosh hey they'll be slightly unconscious and then you sort of just as they're coming around they think oh rope i could climb up and then you take it away from them again so you can taunt them at the same time as bashing them on the head repeatedly with a bucket <laughs> so you've gone for more a comedy effect i would just wee down the well <laughs> perch over the end of the poo yep <laughs> insult to injury very slow wave i mean there's someone. gonna be a dead body in your well anyway it is, but I mean, you're also poisoning your own water supply, but you've got a corpse in there anyway, so. Yeah, it's probably not the worst thing, is it? Yeah, she didn't think about that, did she? Poison her water supply? Yeah. So she no. was 
brought before Alexander after this incident, and, quote, he admired her fortitude and eloquence, which had taken strong hold on him, and charged his officers to have a special care and look to the guards, lest any such abuse should be offered again to any renowned family, and dismissed Timoclea, charging them to have special regard to her, and that all should be found to be of her family. Yeah, I mean, given given what happened to the first guy who didn't quite pay attention to her in the right way. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I'm not surprised I, they, kept, they were kind of, uh, yeah, warned off trying it again. I think you're right. I think Alexander was just scared shitless. Of Tim McClare. Yeah. <laughs> he, he knew what was coming. He didn't know where he was going to end maybe, up. Maybe, uh, maybe don't try and rape her again, eh? Yeah, well, that's what, we, maybe she just looked at him and went, got a well there, have you? Alexander, I've, uh, I've got a few wells that haven't been filled yet with someone. <laughs> yeah. Get on the wrong side of me, you might find yourself down the bottom of a well, being pissed on. Oh, sounds great. <laughs> yes. Mm. <laughs> Watch your step, mate, you never know when a well could appear. <laughs> Round every corner, I'll be waiting with a shovel. I'll be waiting with the well. <laughs> yeah. Just moving it around. It's just me, a hole in a bucket, when you least expect it, you Greek you're, bastard. You're going down that well. So there you have it. Those are my six examples of kick-ass classical princesses from Plutarch. Very good. Well, I never knew that there were so many kick-ass women from antiquity. Plenty. Thanks, Plutarch. And barely a condescending comment in sight. <laughs> yep. Or maybe I like Plutarch. <laughs> you do like Plutarch. You and him have got a bit of a thing going on. Not romantically, just like mutual respect. Yeah, yeah. Mutual respect. <laughs> mutual implies that he I... knew he knows who I am. Two thousand years before I was born. <laughs> He's looking down at you right now. As we discussed last week, Tom, the spirit world is complicated. Uh, It exists outside of our understanding of time and space, and I can guarantee that Plutarch is up there or around right now, smiling down at you. Are you implying that this podcast is the heir to Plutarch's works? Yes. And (laughs) Willy Bollockchin is our our spiritual leader. Is our guide. Is our our medium. (laughs) Our guide through the spirit world. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I'm not sure I want to see his ectoplasm. (laughs) Um, No. (laughs) Yes. Mm. Well, Tom, I'm going to take us away from the classical world and I'm going to take us on a journey to the east. Eastern noises, please. Ching chong, ping chong, ching chong, chong. Less racist eastern noises, please. (laughs) Um, So, Tom, today I'm going to talk about a woman who was a literal rebellious princess. She was a champion wrestler, an expert kidnapper... And a lovable rogue who became a legend both in the East and the West. Was she a proper wrestler or was this Mongolian WWE? She was a genuine proper wrestler and very, very, very good at it. Very nice. Yeah, as well as being a fantastic soldier and uh, a military genius. And all of this was in the 13th century. We are heading for Mongolia, you guessed it right. And the story of Kutalun, the woman who almost ruled Asia. And she would have gotten away with it too, Tom, if it weren't for those pesky men. So she was born in around 1260 AD and was the daughter of Kaidu, a Mongol leader and cousin of Kublai Khan, which made her Genghis Khan's great-granddaughter. Now, whilst most of the Mongol lords by this point had kind of contented themselves with living quite a lavish lifestyle in all of the lands they captured and abandoned their nomadic roots, Kaidu was a bit of an old fogey. And he thought that living in tents and learning the old ways was much, much, much better than living a life of silk and palaces. Although bloody softies, I know, bloody softies with your bloody pillowcases and your mattresses and your bloody walls. What are you going to do with your walls when you need to move? You're out. I know. You need a yurt. You need a yurt, you do. In my day, if you wanted to get something done, you packed up your house and you fucked off and did it. Aye. You didn't swan around in your silk dressing gown telling other cunts to do it for you. You had a quick breakfast of goat bollocks and then off you went. Aye. That's what you did. And if you couldn't find goat bollocks, you made do with the bollocks of your enemies. You just managed, Tom. You got around to it. None of this modern pansy crap. We had one winter right where I had to eat my own bollocks. It was so tough. But I did it. <laughs> you think you had a tough eating your own bollocks? You should be so lucky to have your own bollocks to eat. I was getting by on my own toenails and only ate them once they regrew every six weeks. So he was, he was a bit of an old folk. He preferred the old ways, although obviously being a Mongol lord and, a, and ruler of a huge kingdom, he still had lots of silk dressing gowns and palaces because fuck it, why not? Either way, 
he still taught his family how to fight rather than become, as many of the other Mongol lords had, bureaucrats. Dancers. So he thought it was far All better. Right. To... Yes. Actors. <laughs> taught Daddy, them to pursue their dreams. Daddy, I know you want me to be a Mongol lord, but really I just like dancing and singing in plays. I want to be a podcast producer. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's a proper fucking job. <laughs> so, yes, rather than teaching his kids to become bureaucrats and balance books, he taught them how to ride, how to shoot arrows, and basically how to still be a badass Mongol warlord. And that gave him an awful lot of clout in what was now a very fractured Mongol empire. His kingdom, because of his warlike ways, stretched all the way from Siberia down to India. So absolutely huge, huge, huge kingdom. He was a feared warrior leader with a fearsome army of brutal, badass, old-school Mongolian horsemen. The ones we like, the you know, the Mongolian horsemen of old. And none was more badass than his only daughter, Kutalun. Now, from her earliest days, her dad could tell that this woman was no warflower. She was, first off, absolutely huge... <laughs> With superhuman strength. Big lass, she is. She was a big lass. A big she lass. Was a shy. Don't want to mess with her. Oh, of course, she's a big lass. I know. They call her Chunky Cootaloon. Thunderfy Cootaloon. <laughs> Indeed, absolutely, yep. They call her the Ox of Ulaanbaatar. Arse like a rhino. You would not believe it. <laughs> Arse like a rhino, shoulders like a bison. Fwoar. Just my type of girl. Well, she was considered an extraordinary beauty by Mongolian standards at the time. They liked a, they liked a strong and powerful woman. As well as being a giant with superhuman strength, she was an incredible archer, a magnificent horsewoman and a superb wrestler who made herself an absolute killing out of her wrestling talent thanks to a bet that she made with her dad. Now, when she came of age, Kaidu, her dad, tried to have her married off because that's what daughters are for, right? Historically, essentially they are just political currency. They don't have any real use like a son. They're just to be married off for friendship and favours. Although they do, they can pop out kids. Well, yeah, well that's where they come in for uh, political favours, right? It carries on the family line and ties you to your allies. Anyway, she wasn't going to be palmed off on some dandy from Beijing. Oh, no, 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 Tom. She wanted a husband who was her personal equal, as well as being politically convenient for the family. So she made a bet with her dad. She would marry the first suitor who could beat her in a fight. Nice. Okay, said her dad. You're you're superhumanly strong, but uh, but after all, you are just a lady. How difficult could this be? I will very soon be the uh, father-in-law of a handsome and well-connected young man. And now I've got a sauce to go from Tom because I like sauce, a saucy, saucy sauce. Sorry. This is my source for today. Now, I don't usually bother quoting from sources, but actually this one's pretty well written, so I'm just going to quote from it verbatim. And it's by one Marco Polo. Now, he calls her by her Latin name of uh, Argialucor? Argialucor. Algukifuku. That's a long name. It is, isn't it? Or her Tartar language name of Aijam. Either way, here's the quote. It's quite a long one, but hey-ho, it basically tells the story. She now caused it to be proclaimed in different parts of the world that if any young man would come and try his strength with her and should overcome her by force, she would accept him for her husband. This proclamation was no sooner made than many came from all parts to try their fortune. The trial was made with great solemnity. The king took his place in the principal hall of the palace with a large company of men and women. Then came the king's daughter, in a dress of sendal, which is kind of a ceremonial silk, very richly adorned into the middle of the hall, and next came the young man, also in a dress of sendal. The agreement was that if the young man overcame her so as to throw her by force to the ground, he was to have her for a wife. But if, on the contrary, he should be overcome by the king's daughter, he was to forfeit to her a hundred horses. Ooh. In this manner, the damsel gained more than 10,000 horses, for Get she could meet with here. no one able to conquer her, which was no wonder, for she was so well made in all her limbs and so tall and strongly built that she might almost be taken for a giantess. So literally no Mongol prince could take on this badass wrestling princess. Let me do the math. So she, she's defeated 100 people. Uh, Yeah, probably, yeah, something like that, yeah. Now, obviously 10,000 in the... 13th, 14th century, that's kind of a hyperbolic number, but it was that she had a lot of horses. If this story is true, her herd would rival any Mongol leader or emperor, and horses at the time were, were 
they were the currency of international trade. Although the Mongolians, interestingly, had paper money. But anyway, it got so bad, this situation, that her dad would have to have a quiet word with her before certain matches, desperately asking her to take it easy on some of the richer young men <laughs> so as not to annoy them. And here's another quote from Marco Polo. At last, about the year 1280, there came the son of a rich king who was both very beautiful and young. He was accompanied with a very fine retinue and brought with him a thousand beautiful horses. Immediately on his arrival, he announced that he was come to try his strength with the lady. King Kaidu received him very gladly, for he was desirous to have this youth for a son-in-law, knowing him to be the son of the king of Pamar. On which account, Kaidu privately told his daughter that he wished for her on this occasion to let herself be vanquished, but she said she would not do such a thing for anything in the world. There's a bit more here, and Marco Polo goes on. All who were there, including the king and queen, wished heartily that the prince might be the victor, that he might be the husband of the princess. So they're like, openly wishing for their daughter to get beaten. <laughs> But contrary to their hopes, after much pulling and tugging, the king's daughter gained the victory and the young prince was thrown onto the pavement of the palace and lost his thousand horses. Been smacked <laughs> with a steel chair and he, she jumped Absolutely. off the top of the steel cage and body slam. And then she suplexed body him into the him. commentator box. Bam! You would <laughs> yeah. not believe it. Let's see that again in slow-mo replay. Bam! <laughs> Oh my god, King Kaidu's getting involved! He's wrestling his own daughter to the ground! Oh my god, referee, referee, where's the referee gone? Oh, she's knocked out the referee! Oh. <laughs> Intro music. Bah, 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 bah. Oh my god, who? It's the Undertaker! <clears throat> Turns up in a motorbike. Bow. With a thousand horses in tow. But yeah, she, uh, she was never defeated by any man in wrestling. She was an absolute sensation. Different versions of this story eventually made it to the West via both Marco Polo and other historians and writers. In some versions, Kutaloon was, rather than a wrestler, was a riddler who uh, uh. would ask potential husbands three riddles and execute them if they got them wrong. I don't know what the riddles were, but I presume they're questions like, when's my birthday? What did I just say? And does this make me look fat? <laughs> You know, questions to which there are no correct answers. <laughs> <laughs> so they would des that is a riddle, isn't it? That's a really tricky riddle. You cannot get out of that riddle. Depending on who you ask, she did eventually marry. Various sources say it was either a friend of her dad's or someone who actually tried to kill her dad, failed and was then taken prisoner and she took a shine to him. Typical rebellious daughter, that. Yeah. <laughs> going, going for the one man your dad doesn't like. Are you talking from experience? Yes. Oh, maybe. <laughs> Are you hated in your wife's family? They just about tolerate me. I can have just about in, enough of a chat about cycling to get on her dad's good side. Maybe it was both a friend of her dad's who also tried to kill her dad. Who knows? It was the Mongol Empire, not exactly the friendliest of places. We're talking about the Mongols now, are we? Not your wife. Not my wife. Okay. <laughs> well, again, could be both. Could be both. Yeah. Either way, by the time she had married, she'd gotten hold of enough horses to start a discount beef supply company. There you go. That's a horse meat joke. Yep. And they duly invaded France and uh, <laughs> yeah. made a lot of money. Sold a lot of beef lasagnas. <laughs> so at this point, despite her incredible beauty, being a long-limbed a long giant built like an oxen, her dad decided she'd be better off on the battlefield, where she'd probably do more good than in the palace, where she'd broken the noses of every good-looking posh kid for a thousand miles. Besides, she had an act for strategy and was already one of his closest military advisers. He trusted her far more than any of his 14 sons. So her dad, despite the fact that she was very difficult to marry off and quite, you know, quite strong-minded, he was really very keen on <laughs> bad, her. He adored her and... Uh, <laughs> but yes, <laughs> very good general, very bad girlfriend. But it turns out she was just as much of a danger to men <laughs> with a horse and a bow as she was in dating. Uh, she was a superb kidnapper. And what she would do is the two armies would face off against each other on the battlefield. She would just charge on forward on her own headlong into the enemy army, confusing them initially, presumably because they weren't expecting a woman on a horse to come riding up, she would literally grab one of their leaders, lift a nobleman off his horse, and carry him back to her own side as a hostage. She had such strength that she was able to just pluck men off horses and carry them back. How does this fit in with the version of the story where she's a riddler? Does she just ride headlong into the... Uh... <laughs> 
into the enemy ranks. Yeah, she just she just piled on in, shouting, "What is the speed of a laden African swallow?" <laughs> confusing them so much. Another Monty Python quote. Sorry, confusing them so much with her mental challenges that uh, they didn't even notice her coming and snatching them off horseback. What is wet but dries without water? Ah, what is cold but not hot when it is warm? Oh, what is <laughs> what is brown and sticky? What comes to an end when it isn't at the start? <laughs> what would you rather eat? A poo-sized bogey or a bogey-sized poo? Oh. I'm not sure that's so much of a riddle. <laughs> that's a lose-lose situation, I think, is what we'd call that. That's a Plutarch. Sorry, that was a Plutarch again. That was a direct quote from Plutarch. <laughs> what would you Excellent. rather fight? A thousand duck-sized horses. Exactly. Or one horse-sized one horse-sized duck. duck. Yeah. Yeah. Think about Classic it, folks. Reddit. Yes, so she was, she became an absolute killer on the battlefield, which, uh, well, quite literally. She had plenty of experience as well, given her dad was one of the most violent and warlike of all the Mongol leaders at the time. In fact, he was so trusting of her skills, both as a leader and as a soldier, that he actually tried to make her his heir before he died in 1301. He ranked her above all of his 14 sons, which you can imagine, Tom, went down an absolute treat. Well, I mean... She had a good track record. I mean, I don't think anyone would have been questioning it. She did have a good track record, Tom. Unfortunately, she also had a vagina, which undid all of her good work. (laughs) Doesn't count. You've got boobs. So eventually, all of his sons conspired against her, and one uh, one of her brothers, Duwa, got the throne instead, leaving Kutalun instead to just guard the tomb of her much loved and slightly long suffering dad until she eventually died a few years later in 1306 under what can only be described, unsurprisingly, as slightly suspicious circumstances. Her story was essentially forgotten until it was reborn in uh, Western Europe in 1710, thanks to a Frenchman called Francois Petit de la Croix, which is possibly the most French name I've ever heard, who unearthed her story whilst writing about Genghis Khan. Is that a Frank Small, and he... Frank small Horse? Quoi? No, a horse is a cheval. What's a croix? So, chicken. A French cross? Small... Is it a French small chicken? No, uh, that's poulet. I think it's just a small French cross. That was that ABBA song about chicken, chicken <laughs> shit. <laughs> not to be, not to be mispronounced. Coulee, which means fuck. Coulee means fuck in French. Good tip. Good yeah, s- coulee en poulet. Fuck a chicken. Good fact. Fuck a chick. Coulee yep. a poulet. Fuck a chicken. <laughs> right. That's really useful. Uh, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> Skills. Don't say this podcast never teaches you anything, kids. Francois Petit de la Croix wrote her story up and called her Turandot, or the Turkish daughter. And he changed some of the facts around to match the tastes of Western Europe at the time, which is where the idea of her being a riddler rather than a wrestler comes in, because, God, being an intelligent woman in uh, 18th century Europe is probably okay, being smart. Being a violent woman, no, 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 that will not do. You can't be a champion wrestler and a lady, God, no. Turandot was further bastardised when it was turned into an opera by Puccini in the 1920s, which was finished posthumously, in which Coutelune was a grumpy, stuck-up woman who eventually gave in to love, which actually couldn't be further from the originally, already probably quite exaggerated story of uh, this woman who was a champion wrestler who quite simply just wanted a man who could keep up with her. Yeah. It's not that she hated men, she just wanted one who was actually up to her standards. Yeah. She was quite happy to be married off. She just had some conditions. So, yes, a woman who was looking for love through the medium of a triple suplex and a heavyweight title belt. And actually, I think Kutaloon is a wrestling character which really does need to be bought into WWE. I think there's room for a Mongolian woman who charges 100 horses for a match. (laughs) Because there's a large audience. I think it would add some much-needed variety. (laughs) Commercially very sensible move. There's a lot of Mongolian viewers. (laughs) WWE? (laughs) Possibly not. Yep. Huge. Huge like fem- in Central Asia. Like a female Yokozuma. Yeah, pretty much. Andretta the That's Giant. That's <laughs> Yes. Well, from the sounds of it, she did not entirely unresemble Andre the Giant. <laughs> Are you sure men weren't deliberately losing this fight when they turned up <laughs> and they saw that she looked like Andre the Giant? <laughs> go, Ooh, that's not like the pictures. <laughs> oh, you got me. Oh, I pinned. Oh... Different beauty standards, Tom. Different tap beauty out, standards. <laughs> the Mongolians like a strong woman. <laughs> she was no, not she a was beautiful. She was beautiful, much just like Andre was. Beautiful on the inside. Andre the Giant was apparently an incredibly gentle and kind man. I've heard. <laughs> not first hand. He never took me out for dinner. But... <laughs> I was about to say, you, did, you just referred to him as Andre. Um, I thought you were on good, on good terms. <laughs> my Andre. <laughs> Andre, my Andre. <laughs> 
But anyway, Tom, that is the story of Kutaloon, wrestler, kidnapper, and legend in both East and West. I think it's a pretty badass princess. She qualifies. It definitely does. Absolutely. That's a very, very good story. And not one I'd heard of. And I've, I've um, read, a oh, bit about the, read a bit about the Mongols. I've read a bit of Marco Polo myself. Uh, I hadn't heard about that one. Very good. There we go. Right. We should probably think of a topic for next week, shouldn't we? Oh, yes. Okay. What can we do? Yes. So, uh, did you read the news article today in BBC about four gentlemen who did not declare... A treasure they discovered. I did not, but I think I have heard. There are plenty of stories about this, or yes, like this. Yeah. yeah. Presumably, they were arrested quite a while ago, but it's. Fi- I think it's finally gone to the courts. These chaps had been out looking for treasure with their metal detectors, and had come across a very, very significant hoard from the period prior to the Battle of Eddington, i.e., Alfred the Great defeating the Danes in the Dane Law, mm. and it indicates much closer relations between the Mercians and the West Saxons than previously thought. But unfortunately... Look at you sounding all clever and smart as you read off the BBC. I'm not reading off the BBC website. I haven't got any fucking internet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's a very significant hoard that was discovered, but the fucking idiots who discovered it sold it on the black market. And so very little of it has survived, and these guys have been punished because it's discovered what they'd done. Uh. So I was thinking we could do treasures. Yeah, treasures or the black market or... Bla- yes, yes, treasures. Sad but... hobbies, <laughs> metal detecting. What's that? Sad <laughs> hobbies. And what was the Four men in a field, that's a topic. Did we have a suggestion on social media as well? Someone suggested archaic laws, didn't they? Um, which is a good suggestion. Yes, we could do that in the coming week, yeah. I, I have partially looked into that and a lot of those archaic laws that are supposedly very funny are actually urban myths yes they are yes unfortunately we could maybe have a go at that and see if we could find anything for that what, what did someone else suggest something there must be great historic laws that aren't in place anymore that you, but, but were there at the time like i know for silly. example that in the certain assyrian kingdoms a parking fine was a capital offense if you parked your chariot on the uh, royal highway it was a it was a, a beheadable offense Oh, that's a good so one. So there are definitely funny laws from the past that are definitely worth talking about. Okay, let's But I think we should do treasures one. this week. Treasures next week, and then we'll park the silly laws. Yes, but we'll definitely come back to that. Excellent. I, I'm happy with that. Marvellous. Right, well, we'll let you go, kind audience. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, please do let us know. You'll find us on all the major social media platforms. Just search for That Was Genius. And we will see you again next week. Say goodbye, Tom. Goodbye, folks. Thank you for listening. Bye!